Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show, RTE Under the Spotlight. Another day of questioning for station executives over the payment scandal at a hearing of the Oireachtas Media Committee. Politicians heard more details of spending on entertainment. Phil Collins and Robbie Williams, Aviva Stadium, 50 tickets, €6,358. I've heard to let me entertain you, but that's a bit ridiculous. It comes as station star Ryan Tuberty and his agent, Noel Kelly, offered to help the committee with the payments probe. The committee also heard how Toy Show the Musical was a multi-million euro flop. Later, Battle of the Tech Giants as Meta Zuckerberg takes on Musk's Twitter. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. RTE executives have faced another day of questioning over the payments crisis at the Oireachtas Media Committee. In her opening statement, the chair of the board, Shuni Riley, criticised RTE executives over the way that information has been provided. Today, the committee heard how Toy Show, the musical, was a massive commercial flop. Well, here's our news correspondent, Richard Chambers. After late-night revelations of more barter accounts, pandemic pledges to Ryan Tuberty and a raft of revelations about spending on golf outings, flip-flops and more, RTE's executive will have expected a bruising day at the media committee. But they mightn't have expected that it would come from the chair of the RTE board. I am deeply unhappy at the evident pattern of inconsistency and lack of completeness in the provision of information to date by the executive. I believe there is a high probability that more information may emerge in the days and weeks ahead. The committee was told losses at last year's toy show, The Musical, totaled 2.2 million euro. How can you justify 2.2 million of a loss and stand over it as be, that you're proud of it? That's an enormous loss. It's a disgrace. It's a scandal. We took a, a creative and commercial risk to put it to, to try and, for the best of reasons, to try create something unique for Irish families and for children at Christmas. It was unique, all right. Last week's detailing of hundreds of thousands of euros spent on hospitality trips to rugby and football matches raised eyebrows, so spending was hit hard today. You actually had the cheek to have this drawn up when it's an absolute lie, when you have a record of funnelling, raising false invoices, funnelling through the barter account in an effort to conceal top-up payments. Phil Collins and Robbie Williams, Aviva Stadium, 50 tickets, €6,358. I've heard they've let me entertain you, but that's a bit ridiculous. The commercial interests of RTE's top presenters and the companies they advertise for was again a matter of interest. One staff member had been given a car by a third party for a long period of time. My understanding is that car has been returned uh, and that individual is a staff member of RTE. So and how be... long would the car have been on loan? 
uh, I believe, for a period of five years. The questioning has continued with ongoing frustration at RTE management, both from members, from staff, from the board and from the public at large. Well, I'm joined on my panel tonight by Fine Gael Senator Michal Carrigy from the Oireachtas Media Committee, Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly, Rosanna Cooney, business correspondent with The Currency and executive editor of the Irish Daily Mail, John Lee. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. There's an awful lot to digest, as there is um, on many of these days. Rosanna, a lot of detail was dumped ahead of this five-hour grilling today, but let's talk about what was new and what really uh, caught people's attention. Uh, first off, on, on the barter account itself, because that was supposed to come under an awful lot of scrutiny, not least because Orti themselves said there were, in fact, three barter accounts. And it was the former chief financial officer, Richard Collins, who categorically said there was only one barter account. And he just defended that statement from last week, didn't he? Yeah, it was kind of a misleading dump initially, I think, because there was this sense there was going to be three barter accounts and even the reporting in RTE said, let's brace for resignations. But then today happens and, you know, in the Oireachtas Committee today, it was... I've never seen the gallery so full. It was packed because people were really expecting, I think, fireworks and some dynamite to be here. But what happened was actually, I think Richard Collins um, disarmed it quite quickly by saying, yes, okay, there is one account, but three companies feeding into that. And actually that, accept that explanation was accepted pretty readily. Like there was some pushback, but it was accepted. And then I think from there, you know, the transactions which had been released ahead of time, this huge spreadsheet, which one of the TDs took pleasure in waving kind of around, like an A3 size spreadsheet around, just kind of emphasizing how, how grand a list it was. Um, and I think those disclosures just provided incredible material all day, but actually really harmfully for RTE, I think, was then the statements that kind of came from the NUJ during the day, which was able to so effectively compare the same time period where this lavish spending was going on. And then you have the journalists scrimping every day, all day. There was an example of um, Fiona Mitchell who was reporting on Brexit. She was working from cafes, bouncing around London toilets just to try and do her radio reports. And then you have RT execs with this kind of um, dormant, it seems, membership to Soho House, this exclusive private club, which I think, you know, Meghan Markle was a member of. And I think so you have this incredible juxtaposition that was so effective all day and really hurtful, I think, for journalists to see this, like, this generosity and frivolity of spending versus what they were trying to do to put out news, to put out content every day. I mean, if there was one word or two words from today, it was probably flip-flops, wasn't it, John? Um, what we heard was that uh, hundreds of transactions, of course, stand out within the, 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 that were funneled through this barter account, but the €4,956 spent on 200 pairs of flip-flops for a summer party for agencies and clients uh, back in 2016. Will these details around this level of extravagant spending ultimately, uh, you know, mean greater public criticism. Is that really what, what gets on people's goat here? The devil being in the detail and the breakdown of all the spending that went through those barter accounts at the time. Well, I sat there um, covering the committee and I, I covered, I was getting flashbacks to another time, which I was in Leinster House covering similar committees and listening to Anglo-Irish bank spending being de detailed, a lot more money 
a different time, but certainly personally, I was getting flashbacks to that era when there was 300,000 spent on golf balls while their shares were collapsing, et cetera, et cetera. They are the things that people remember from, from these events. They're the things that resonate. If you think back to the, the Mahan Tribunal, uh, the sitting Taoiseach Bertie Hearn saying that he'd won an amount of money on the horses. You, you won't remember much of the other detail, but you'll remember that. And I think Sinn Féin, very astutely, um, uh, there was astute questioning from uh, Imelda Munster, who, who has uh, performed very well throughout this, this arts committee, um, media committee, mm. where she used the phrase uh, Celtic tiger extravagance. And I think we've, we've moved from a, an area where the government have not performed with speed here. Uh, we, yesterday, we had Catherine Martin bringing out um, a plan for a six-month inquiry into RTE. And then we had a whole load of disclosures by nine o'clock news that night. So I think Sinn Féin successfully were aiming towards connecting this where, where it should be connected with, which, was, which is the government, the government of ult ultimate oversight of, of, of RTE. Then we had a committee there today which showed uh, an executive board and an RTE board at odds with themselves. I mean, I'd, I'd, I've sat through many of those committees. I've never seen a situation where the opening statement from the chair, Shuni Rahalik, similar to hers, where she, she pretty much expressed a lack of confidence in, in, the, in her own executives. And that set the tone for the day. I think this was the most damaging, um, damaging day yet. And I think the government would really want to, to cop on and see that if they think that a bunch of executives in RTE taking the flack is going to somehow um, deflect attention from them, no, it's not. And what it actually creates in the minds of the, of the public when you speak of flip-flops and everything else is an elite, an elite of um, executives at a semi-state company who are connected to an elite bunch of politicians who haven't acted on this quickly enough. Certainly that appeared, Rosanna, just to be a key theme there about this sort of uh, uh, trust eroded and, and certainly the, the rift that appears between, you know, the board with oversight over policy versus this executive team of the senior management team who call themselves a board as well, the two boards, if you like, within, within RTE. And then each person even within that defending their own position at the time. We also had the former chief financial officer, uh, Breda O'Keefe, who came forward. Now she was praised for giving clarity and detail. She gave a very lengthy statement at the outset. Um, did she give more detail? Did she give clarity that people were looking for, especially around that deal that was done with Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly, his agent Noel Kelly, um, and the organisation? Yeah, she actually, she was, she was very forthright. She gave a lot of precise, detailed dates, even times that I think had been missing from previous statements. And I had that impression that if they had all come out with statements like that initially, maybe we wouldn't be here two weeks later, but hard to say. But yes, she did give clarity. And I thought one of the interesting points that she talked about was when she left in the first quarter of 2020, where the deal that was being negotiated with Ryan Tuberty, where that stood, she said her impression when she left was that there was no underwriting of the agreement, that there had been suggestion of a, you know, there was no underwriting. And I think what came from her statement was just how, where, where this negotiation happened and it was to the side. And the almost, you know, the futility that ended up happening with the negotiation because you have all of these executives saying they didn't agree with it, there was pushback. 
but it happened anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we had that incredible letter that was published from Dee Forbes to Ryan Tuberty saying that she was guaranteeing that he would face no pay cuts. So I think there was there was new documentation, there was new evidence put forward by Breda O'Keefe today. Yeah. Um, yeah, on that, I suppose, Michal, you were there asking the questions as well. Um, did you believe uh, that, that what you heard from Breda O'Keefe and from others did provide more clarity and the answers that you were looking for? You were especially asking about pay given to senior executives and, and pay scales within the within RTE? Well, the information which was given to us only at LH says some of it at half nine last night and more at half nine this morning ahead of the meeting. You know, the, the 100 top earners within RTE all earning over an average of €116,000. You know, astounding amount of money and indeed the executive board themselves collectively as 10 people are earning just under two point four million. Mm. Um, I have to say I would agree the testimony that was given by uh, Breda Hakeef I thought brought a bit of clarity to what um, Richard Collins didn't give us the previous week and left a lot of answers, um, questions sorry, unanswered and the previous week he, he seemed to always refer back to the fact that this was previous to when he was in the role and that was the reason we asked in Ms O'Keefe as I said she gave a detailed statement I think brought a clarity to a lot of questions around that whole deal that was uh, put together with Ryan Tuberty. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Louise O'Reilly, a lot of revelations today about um, spending and the context around the, the time and what was happening, <coughs> especially at the time. As Rosanna mentioned, the NUJ coming out and saying, look what was happening in our London office. Actually, yeah. we didn't have one. Um, and we were doing voiceovers on Brexit coverage from toilets in cafes at the same time as there was Soho membership um, for, for, the, for the sales team. Um, that's That's... That's very difficult, isn't it, for RTE to try and manage and also try to defend? Oh, I think no, nobody's defending that. I don't, I really, really, really would strongly advise them against defending that. I've just come from the ICTU conference and I, I talked to a number of people there involved in the, in the NUJ and obviously in the trade union movement more broadly. And the context for that is incredibly important. So on the one hand, the highest earner, the highest paid worker in RTE is getting a letter of comfort saying, don't worry, your pay will not be cut. And in other rooms, workers and their representatives, and I'm thinking of Emma O'Kelly in particular, I mean, she's using words like staff were sickened. They were reeling when they heard this because they know only too well the context. They were in these rooms with senior members of management pleading the poor mouth, telling them that the revenues were down, that they were going to have to freeze their increments, that they might have to consider pay cuts, that everything was going to have to be cut back to the bone, while at the same time, a letter of comfort uh, was being given to the highest earner. And I think my colleague, uh, Fintan Moorfield, made a very interesting point today, which is we need to, to hear who the lowest earners in RTE are. We know, we know who the high flyers are and we know how he much they're making and get, it's eye-watering. He was looking to get the salaries of the 20 lowest earners, yeah. um, something which I think um, that the, the, the was agreed to by RTE. They said they would provide those yeah, details. Yeah, but that's important for context though because it, you, we, need to, we need to understand this is not every worker in RTE. This is, a, this is an elite and the executive and this is, they were absolutely tone deaf and if they cast their own minds back how can they not be ashamed of the fact that they were sitting in rooms with people on very ordinary, very modest wages, pleading wage, rest wage restraint to them and then a letter of comfort given to the highest earner? That's just outrageous. Well, also called as well for this register of interest. And this is about, you know, um, staff and contractors at RTE uh, ha having commercial deals on the side. And there was a commitment to do that for staff, but there was a little bit of pushback or we'll have to check and see what the situation is with contractors, which is where all the controversy is arising, Rosanna. 
Yeah, but I do think it was interesting today. You know, that process is starting and Adrian Lynch, the interim director general, did say that out of that process is where we got this revelation that a staff member in RTE has been given a car on loan for the past five years. And, and when did he, oh, he or she? <laughs> yeah, the he or she hand that car back? Yesterday. And so, you know, there was a bit of an eruption when they said yesterday. It was, you know, it was easy to be cynical about what was going on. But I think you can see there. So there's obviously internal movement, people becoming aware of, you know, what's been flying for the past years isn't going to fly anymore. And, you know, apparently this arrangement for the car to be on loan wasn't approved. And yet the situation continued for five years. Mm -hmm. And so I think that register of interest will be important. But yeah, the headlines and the pieces of information that are coming out, and I suppose particular people who are contractors, who are presenters, and yet are using campus facilities for their promotions, I think that's really grey area. And something that's going to come under scrutiny. Um, a, a big headline from all of this is a show that only 11,000 uh, tickets were actually sold for, and that was Toy Show the Musical. Uh, it was 2.7 million euro was spent um, on that um, endeavour. It made 2.2 million euro in losses. Uh, what's going to come of all of that? Because at the moment, I think, uh, well, they've cancelled, they've certainly cancelled the show, uh, John, but we heard today that they're still uh, keeping the sets uh, at a cost of 8,000 euro a year or something to that effect. Um, well, at the time it came out, I, I, I was a bit surprised, and I listened to commentary from, and you know, I watched the toy show with my kids. It was, a, it's, it's a huge commercial success for them. Um, but there was commentary from people who ran um, pantos and musicals themselves, well-established ones around Dublin, which which don't have the money to to very well pay their casts, who felt it was very strange that a state-funded uh, public service broadcaster should be involving itself in live shows to make a whole lot of money and it now appears they didn't make any money and, and that goes to the heart of what RTE now is is it is it a is it a commercial organization or is it a public sector um a, a public service uh, broadcaster it clearly from what we've heard over the last 3 weeks is not and you know senior politicians like um uh, Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin have said in recent days that and we splashed on this on Sunday that there will be an endeavour now to split the um, public service broadcasting element of RTE and the commercial element of it. Then you must ask, who will run the commercial element of it and what is the point of it? And I would disagree with, say, Michael McGrath last night was on here. He's speaking as a Minister for Finance. His, um, his line is, well, the Exchequer is not going to pay for this. But in other countries and in other jurisdictions, public service broadcasting is paid for by the Exchequer. And what you do is you strip away craziness, like involving yourself in live shows like the Toy Show musical and bringing people to uh, events to um, gain advertising for them in, at rugby matches in Japan when people are going to pay for advertising with RT anyway. Well, so, that, that, was, so, that was the point, wasn't it, being made, I think, by uh, Marie Sherlock, that in any, in any event, you can bring people over to Japan to watch the World Cup, but they're going to be spending that money um, with a broadcaster like RT in any case, uh, even though 1.6 million euro went through this barter account used for client entertainment and such purposes. The argument and the defence, I think, from Geraldine O'Leary today was that, um, you know, in, within 10 years, from 2012 to 2022, they generated 1.65 billion euro in commercial income. Um, is that any sort of defence at all in your eyes, in the eyes of the um, Oireachtas committee members today, Michal? 
But don't, well, I don't think it's a defence that washed. The reality is, it was to be honest, it was being used as a slush fund in part, and I don't think that's acceptable to the license the license fee holder. Um, just even just to go back on your point with regard to you know toy show the musical, and I I, I questioned um, Rory Coveney just on, on the issue and the you know the two point two million euro in losses. But what was ironic was that Ryan Tuberty, who was the person that presented. Um, the toy show, you know, is involved in the whole publicity, building up to the Christmas period. We all have our uh, toy show pajamas. We have our toy show parties. I know my own wife's a primary school teacher, and the kids have hot chocolate and all for the toy show. He wasn't involved in the music, and when he was asked to get involved, he wasn't prepared to get involved. So that's, I think, a question that we need to ask, and I think would have been responsible maybe for uh, some of the reason why the, the musical did not fly or wasn't a success. Yeah, um, you're shaking your head in disbelief, Louise. It wasn't a success as a bit of an understatement. I know the point you're making, but they couldn't give away the tickets. I mean, this was, you know, they're, they're talking about establishing potentially uh, a commercial agency. Well, you know, you have to hope to God that there's none of the people who were at the committee today going to be left in charge of it because uh, clearly um, they have shown themselves to be completely incapable to manage uh, of managing money. Um, but that loss was absolutely phenomenal. To go into the committee today and attempt to defend it uh, was equally um, gobsmacking, actually. Um, I mean, the it was very clear uh, that the that this was that this was going to be a flop, that it wasn't going to fly, and yet they still persisted with it, and uh, as if they could somehow, you know, force people to to go to it. It just wasn't going yeah, to happen. With the money coming from RTE's central fund, uh, confirmed by Rory Coveney today, uh, head of strategy. Um, so, I mean, in terms of what was raised today and whether further alarm bells have have been raised as a result of some of the answers given, Rosanna, are there, you know, again, more questions than answers around this whole debacle and this whole scandal? We still have um, the, 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 the overriding thing about getting to the bottom of it. Uh, agreement last week that there was organised uh, deceit around payments, but we still don't know or we haven't got confirmation around who organised that deceit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going forward, I mean, now we're all looking to the Public Accounts Committee next week and to see if Ryan Toberty and Noel Kelly go in front of that committee because they are two very key pieces that are missing from this jigsaw, D Forbes being the other vital one and others we don't know, but they're two really key components of this and they know, they definitely have answers that we don't have right now. So I think that's going to be really interesting. And, and just on that, like one of the pieces of documentation that we received was actually from a solicitor firm representing Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty, and they have agreed to come into our media committee. And I know we're meeting in private session on Friday morning to discuss our next moves following today's meeting. And I know I will be putting forward that, that next week we would meet with Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty. And I think the invitation is still out there for D4. Will that be a public and, meeting? Yes. Yeah, so that would be because we know that the. Um, PAC are in a public accounts committee or in private session um, as of tomorrow so there won't be another sitting with, with the RTE executives at that but next week you imagine with this, um, this this letter that came through from Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty through their solicitor that they will indeed face public scrutiny on this. Uh, it, it has to be to get confidence back we have to have transparency and that is in a public session of the media committee and all the parties involved need to be there answer the questions until we get, to make sure that we get the facts and that the public get clarity. And that has to be done in, in, in a public setting, in my view. Mm. So there are more questions, certainly. Are there more questions to be asked, Louise, do you think of the, the current executives who are before that board and that media committee today? 
Well, you know, I suppose we need to ask questions about oversight and about accountability. But I mean, Shilni Rahali was very clear, you know, she doesn't have confidence in uh, in the executive and she had no hesitation in, in saying that she struggled to have confidence uh, in the executive and indeed the, in her own board. But I mean, we do need to move on from individualising this to actually looking at there is a very close relationship between RTE and there's a reporting relationship and all the rest of it and the government. And I like at some point, you know, I, I, I note that uh, Catherine Martin has had a number of meetings, but they're just. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency in terms of addressing this. You know, we'll have another investigation. I'm sure that one will take six months. I mean, you'd have to be asking the question, who was asking all along? I mean, Catherine Martin went to a meeting with Shuni Rahley clearly information was withheld from her. So you have to ask the question there, like, was Minister Martin asking the questions? You know, was she asking the right questions? Was she curious enough? You know, was she interrogating this? She clearly wasn't because uh, there was a lot of information came out after that meeting that it, I, I was surprised, I'm sure other people were as well, that didn't, uh, that the Minister didn't ask those questions and get those answers in the meeting. So, you know, we have, need to move on from the individuals and the personalities and the flip-flops and all of that stuff is, is, is good and people want to hear it and they need to know. But we need to move to look at the relationship between RTE and the government as well. Okay, and uh, there is a further meeting taking place tomorrow. We will be discussing uh, more about that because my panel is staying on with me uh, more on the crisis engulfing RTE and what is next for the beleaguered broadcaster. Do stay with us. Welcome back, Fine Gael Senator Michal Carragy from the Oireachtas Media Committee, Sinn Féin TD Louise O'Reilly, uh, Razam Cooney, business correspondent with The Currency and executive editor of the Irish Daily Mail, John Lee, are all still here with me and we are all still talking um, about RTE and what is next for the broadcaster. We know that Shu Nirahale is meeting with the Arts Minister, uh, Catherine Martin, tomorrow, John, along with the deputising Director-General, uh, Adrian Lynch, and incoming... Um, 
uh, incoming Director General, Kevin Backhurst. What's likely to come of that meeting? Is this, a, this about this potential reconstitution of the board? I, I think they have indicated that, uh, um, that uh, Kevin Backhurst will reconstitute the board, which is an ominous sounding um, move if you're on the board. Um, there was a question raised at the end by James O'Connor today, the Fianna Fáil TD, about perhaps the suitability of Kevin Backhurst even to come in, because let's face it, he was selected by these boards mm -hmm. to be the incoming um, Director General. He was a former uh, RTE staffer. He is part of the, 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 the furniture of the place in some ways and had worked closely for a short time, I should add, with D Forbes. So, um, Unless they move quickly, unless Kevin Backhurst can um, uh, comply with some of the warnings that came in the RTE website of a, of a number of resignations, and it happens very quickly, and we're given a plan for how RTE um, uh, means to continue, and the government make it clear how they're going to fund RTE. Mm. Because we mustn't forget a year ago, this time almost exactly a year ago, there was a report given by the Media Commission about how to reform the media 49 of 50 recommendations were accepted. The one recommendation that wasn't accepted was how RTE was to be funded in the future. And we have no clarity as to how that is to happen. That, that um, Moya Doherty herself said last year that that model is broken. So Kevin Backhurst has a, a, an extremely unenviable um, position. Now, they have to immediately split this commercial dysfunction away from the public service broadcaster and start providing a proper um, public um, service broadcast. Okay. Immediately move on the stars, uh, pay and everything else. He's a lot to do very quickly. Yeah, he's a lot to do, but we have these external reports, Michal, that have been commissioned. It's going to be eight months before we get these external reports. So what's going to happen between now and then? I think now the minister, we had the minister in, in the Shannon today on a private member's bill that was put forward by Senator Rowan on Mullen. And she's looking to fast track those reviews um, because of the current, as I say, situation. As how, it is fast, of, how quickly of, can you fast track a review that you've been told from the outset will begin late August and will take six months to do? And I think it'll take less than, than six months. And I think, as you said yourself, she's meeting with Kevin Barker, who's a new incoming DG. And I think it's important, uh, as the saying goes, a new brush sweeps clean. I think we need to see major changes at executive level within RTE. And how uh, soon do you think those major changes should happen? I think they should happen immediately. Okay, so what are you when you're saying major changes, are you talking about, you know, resignations, politically a call for heads? I feel, I've no, I don't have confidence in the executive board as it stands there, um, having been in the meetings over the last uh, two weeks. Um, if we're going to build confidence back in our public service broadcast and back into RTE, we need to make serious changes at the top. We have a new incoming director general, and I think he needs to get a team of people around him weren't involved in what has been going on over the last 10 years. Okay, all right. That does stand a little apart now from what we've, we've heard from the Taoiseach and what we heard from um, uh, other, other, others within your own party, with the, within Fine Gael, who said, you know, let's not, you know, I don't like this call for heads. Let's see how these reviews go and let them answer the questions and then we'll see how all of this goes. You're saying more urgency is clearly required in this and actually decisions need to be made sooner. Much sooner. I do, as I say, we need to get the, the public trust back. I, as I say, I, I'm also a postmaster uh, in life. I'm out meeting people on, a, on a, as I say, at home and 
people are turning and going to say, right, we're not going to pay our television licence. And that's what uh, will satisfy people. And this is what has happened. So I think we need to get the trust back of uh, the general public. And the only way to do that is to make changes. And I think it's important that the new GG surrounds himself with people he can that he can fully trust, because I say, because the information, the drip feed of information that we've got over the, for the last two weeks is not a comment on an executive that should be running an organisation like RT. Yeah. And we are hearing, indeed, that this drip feed is likely to continue, um, Louise, because of what we heard from the chair, Shinni Raleigh, saying <coughs> we will get more information in the coming days. It's probably in reference to more questions that have been asked by the Public Accounts Committee, more information that has been sought by them as well. And that's before we get on to Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly offering their services, I was going to say, but presenting themselves uh, before the Public Accounts Committee as well. The question is, in the meantime, and with all of this, is there an urgency? And do you, does Sinn Féin believe that there should be resignations at executive level now in RTE? Well, the chairperson of the board said that she would struggle to have confidence in the executive. So, you know, I mean, if, if that's not a flash in blue light, I don't know what is. The Taoiseach even today was very... Very, very, very qualified in, in his support, he said, for now, for the moment, but let's wait and see what happens. So people are braced for these revelations. Um, there's an expectation that there's going to be more. I mean, and I would hope that Catherine Martin, who, as I said, has been, you know, a, a lack of curiosity, let's just say, about this and, and a bit of a lack of urgency, but I would hope she would be asking tomorrow for full and complete Well, she said she's ordered two external uh, reviews and then we ha also have this forensic auditor coming into RTE as of um, next week to look through all the files. Yes, and that's something that Pierce Doherty had been calling for. We're actually very glad to see that the government late, but they did listen and they have appointed the auditor. That's important. But like tomorrow, Catherine Martin is going to meet with uh, Shuni Rahali and with the, the, uh, the incoming DG. Like, Surely she's going to ask some questions. You know, if Shunni Raleigh can come into the uh, to the committee today and say she believes that there's going to be more information, no, this information shouldn't have to be dragged from them. You know, this is the this is the public sector broadcasting. Well, I think she needs to uh, she needs to detail what it is that she wants to hear. Catherine Martin needs to detail what it is that she wants to hear from them, and she needs to get that backed up because we know that the last time she had a meeting, uh, by that stage, D Forbes was suspended. That Shuni Raleigh had asked for her resignation. None of that was said to the minister. Like, was she not? Was she not curious? Is she not annoyed now that the, the wool was pulled over her eyes? And what's she going to do about it? So she's got the people in her office tomorrow and it's going to be up to her. And remember, this is about trust our in the national... Our positions now, Louise. This is about trust in the national broadcast. So our positions and, and people that you're referring to, Shuni Rahali and others on, on, on the board and then within the executive, are there positions there that are untenable Claire, as of tonight? A member of the executive herself said her own position is untenable. I mean, the, if, if the people who are on the executive don't seem to have trust and confidence in themselves, I mean, it, it'd be a bit I think that was in reference, she said, has. my own position is untenable because of the scrutiny she felt she was coming under um, from the media, which she thought was deeply unfair. This is a public service broadcaster. They're in receipt mm. of massive amounts of public money. People are expected to pay their TV licence or they could, be, they could be liable for jail. So, you know, a bit of perspective is required. I understand that the, the question is, is robust and it should be. Mm -hmm. RTE have fundamentally breached their trust with the viewers, with people. They need to rebuild that. How are they going to do it? They have a massive task in front of them. And Kevin Backhurst would want to surround himself with good people who are capable of answering questions and stop this mess. And RTE were competing with themselves. 
Who were they, you know, who were they trying to keep these stars away from? Nobody was bidding for them. They were in a competition with themselves that they somehow managed to lose. And now the, the taxpayer and the licence uh, fee payer are expected to foot the bill. OK, let's talk about the big star who this all started with, Rosanna. Um, we have Ryan Tuberty and, and Noel Kelly, his agent, offering to come before the committee. Do you think this is a case of volunteering before they were compelled? Yeah, I think it's very easy to say that. I mean, you'd always rather volunteer than be compelled. I thought it was interesting as well that the statement came from via a solicitor as well. Something you could read into there about what's going on in, like, in the background too. You know, it wasn't just a statement from them without legal representation. And, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. But you'd absolutely, you'd volunteer. You'd volunteer to go. You don't want to be dragged. The question is, you would imagine that it would bring a lot of that clarity that's being sought over the over the hidden payments. That's what you would imagine will will come from that next week. Well, uh, there's a way back for Ryan Tuberty, but I'm not sure if he realises and he hasn't indicated thus far um, he knows what that is. And the, the first thing we reported this the weekend after I spoke to cabinet ministers, who which we do before we report, um, that he needs to pay back all these these extra payments. That's going to be difficult for him. And he needs to then give a full statement to the public um, about what he intends to do in the future. And part of that is a voluntary cut in his wages. Is any of that going to happen? I doubt it. Um, but there is a way back for the man, and that's total honesty and an understanding of what he's at the centre of. Mm. Are you going to be? What are you going to be asking um, of Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly when they are before the Oireachtas Media Committee uh, next week, and you're asking them questions? First of all, just in the letter that was sent in by the solicitors, it made the point that they would answer appropriate questions. He needs to answer all questions, not just appropriate questions. And I will be asking him to repay the money back to RTE. Um, and take the cut that every other staff member in RTE took at the time and indeed through COVID where people were out of work, people on pandemic payments and we have his talent agency NK coming looking for €150,000 off RTE at a time. So I think that, I'd agree with John, I think that money has to be paid back straight away um, and answer all the questions, not just Other the appropriate questions. Other questions uh, that come to mind that would be top, top of your list? Well, the full facts of the deal, who, 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 were, who were the people at the table, who were the people um, that discussed it. Um, we've got one side of the story, we need to get the other side of the story so that we can assemble what is actually the true facts of the situation. Interesting as well, Louise, we had the contract that wasn't signed until April of this year with regard to those uh, payments and that tripartite deal that was done um, with, with Renault, the broadcaster, and mm. NK Management. Just another one of those coincidency things. I'm sure they'd, lo they'd love us to believe, but, you know... I think when Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly are in front of the committee, uh, I would agree they need to answer every question that they are asked. But they also need to shed some light on what was going on. Like when the letter of comfort was being issued, ordinary staff in RTE on very, very normal wages were being told it's going to be pay cuts, pay freezes, all of that for you. And then on the flip side, the, the highest earner was getting that. Like what were they looking for? Who was, who was in the room when these deals were being done? And what, you know, how you can have that amount of money. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of euros on a, a verbal agreement or a nod and a wink, all of this. And you know what? This, this has exposed an insider culture that is wrong. It's good that we are looking at it, but we really need to see change. And we will move on and we will now have to examine the relationship between RTE and the government. All right. Well, my thanks to Hall, Louise, Rosanna and John. Next, Battle of the Tech Giants as Meta takes on Twitter. Do stay with us.
I'm joined now by Emmett Ryan, technology correspondent at the Business Post, because Mark Zuckerberg is launching a rival to Elon Musk's Twitter uh, social media platform. He's calling it Threads. Um, you're going to tell us a lot more about this, Emmett. Uh, first off, it is seen as being, you know, the Twitter rival, courtesy of Meta, but it's not actually launching here in Europe. They've hit. They've hit a bit of a. A hitch with that one. It's a bit of a it? hitch. Like, so it, this happens quite a lot, especially for any product being launched in Europe. Is you've got to go through the, and typically it's in Ireland, it's a DPC because most of the large tech companies, they're headquartered in Europe here. So they go through the office in Dublin and they haven't even put in basically a request yet to have it cleared for data protection yet. Uh, so they, you know, it clearly shows they don't intend to launch in Europe for quite a few months yet because if they were launching very soon, they'd have gone through this already quite clearly. But they seem to want to just try the US and the UK where it's a far more lax environment for data protection being frank about it, like it's just not as safe uh, to, to, for your data there. So they're going to launch the, those two markets first and then see how it goes, I would imagine, and then try for an EU launch afterwards. But like it's interesting times because Instagram, which is what they're using this threads through, has essentially gone after all the other big socials that have tried to build up to varying degrees of success. So it began just as photos, Claire. Then they added stories, which is basically a rival of Snapchat and has really hurt Snapchat over the years. Then came Reels, which is an alternative to TikTok. TikTok is still obviously very strong, but it's, Reels has held up reasonably well. So now Threads is going to be essentially its alternative to Twitter at a time when Twitter is obviously struggling to maintain its audience and also to maintain advertisers. Okay, so talking about what this looks like, it, will it be contained within the Instagram app or will it be also a standalone app on, on your phone it, where you can kind of engage with people similar to to Twitter, if you if you want to call it engagement well, yeah, in this at the moment, day and we, age. We haven't quite seen exactly yet. It looks like it'll be a sort of a mix of both. So you can access it through your regular Instagram. Like once you're logged into Instagram, if you have threads installed, you're logged into threads essentially. It's like way Facebook, if you have Messenger, if you're logged into your Facebook, you're automatically into Messenger as well. So that'll, you know, enable it to access all of the 2.35 billion Instagram users there are worldwide. Now, obviously for the time being, only those in the US and the UK, but that instantly gives an advantage to all the other people who've tried to rival Twitter at what Twitter does, don't have, which is simply bodies. Like Twitter would have around 300 to 400 million users a month. So Instagram's already about six times, that seven times, so depending on your metric. Whereas the other ones that have come along, we've heard about Mastodon and Blue Sky. While they might be nice to use, the problems they had was essentially, and thing like Twitter needs people on it. And if people aren't already there, no one's going to hang around to wait for them to be there. So they got a ready-made audience. Exactly. As, uh, people who will, will be will you be automatically signed up, signed into this if you like, if you want. If, if you, you want, want to, to be like, yeah. It's, I was it, going to say it, if you want to tweet, but if you want to thread, I thread, I guess. Yeah. The, the name seems rather apt because I know viewers of a certain vintage will remember the TV movie from the eighties, which was about nuclear war. What else do we get in social media every day but a series of nuclear wars? Uh, so it seems rather apt as a name. But yeah, we're going to see, you know, how this goes for Facebook, but it's in well, Meta, sorry, but it's a very interesting time for them to launch it, of course, because right now Twitter is struggling. Like they're trying to find various different ways of generating revenue and to get more people to be paid users and also for more people to be paid partners at a corporate level with them. And right now they aren't really winning that fight. And instead they're bleeding users as a result. Yeah, which would make you ask the question, how does Mark Zuckerberg think he's going to do it any better? Well, essentially, he probably thinks he's got greater resources in terms of what he can put into this. Now, him and Musk, obviously, like Musk is a slightly richer man, but we're still talking hilarious amounts of money for both of them. And Meta is an enormous company, but it also has 
pretty much got the team already in place with Instagram, which is an extraordinarily popular app. And when you've got that many users, it can solve a lot of problems very fast because while the issues with Twitter began with Musk's free speech absolutism, that's really become a tertiary issue now. Now it's the simple usability. Like if you go onto Twitter now, you can't keep up with stuff the way you used to be. Like the, the stories you guys were talking about in this first section, while you could follow the RT scandal throughout today on Twitter, it was nowhere near as smooth, smooth as it might have been even a year ago had it happened then. Likewise, sort of, you know, just seeing what you want to see, but and also with Musk trying to limit the amount of tweets you have, just tinkering and changing, and it's like broken down quite a few times over the last few weeks. I'm guessing Zuckerberg thinks all I need to do is have something that doesn't break and works the way Twitter kind of used to, and I'll be able to get those users. And crucially, the advertisers that started running away when Musk decided to go rampant. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I suppose what Elon Musk will say he's trying to do is, is generate, I suppose, more revenue and you get what you pay for. So you've got a limited number of tweets you can see and you can't be verified and all these things unless you pay up. Um, will will it be something similar in terms of a model in which, which Mark Zuckerberg would like to follow in terms of paid users of his particular app? Because they haven't gone down that line before. They've just relied on you know, advertising that follows you around as you use um, uh, as you use the app. And it's pretty much worked for Zuckerberg with his ask before that advertising is enough to not pay for, for them. It is rather amusing, though, now we've reached a stage where people are willing to go, well, even if Zuckerberg does it, just give us an alternative to Twitter, given how much people have not trusted Mark Zuckerberg at a broad level in years when it comes to data privacy, that now we're at a stage of, a lot of users are kind of going, well, I'll give this a go if it, if it works out. Like Because like I said, we've seen the other attempts, the Mastodons, the Blue Skies. Their issues were they didn't have that ready-made user base that threads from Instagram will have, where you know there'll be a lot of people on it early. But also, crucially, Instagram will be paying a lot of its like heavy users, its high-profile personalities and influencers to make sure they're active on the on that app early so they bring their audiences with them. Because we saw that with stories in order to grow stories. We saw it with Reels as well to grow that. They started like you know ensuring they were encouraging those with a large following on the existing platform to bring their following to these new apps. And we should expect to see that with threads as well. It's interesting, though, because those Instagram followers you're talking about, they're probably big on Instagram because of their, you know, the visual and, and, and how they manipulate that and how they work that to their advantage. And that's an appeal for people. It's an appeal for advertisers when it's all about how you're writing something and being, you know, quirky, funny, timely and and and. You know, it's a different proposition, isn't it? It is, although I think quite a lot of them also like the fact that they keep keep it within Instagram. Because right now, you know, they might they might a lot of them will have Twitter accounts, but like trying to bring that audience they have on Instagram to follow them on Twitter, whereas they can bring the audience within the one app. So I think a lot of those influencers will enjoy that. I'm still doing this text talking part, which doesn't involve this level of creativity that the visual stuff would have. But I'm bringing my audience with me in the one place. It's much easier to retain the audience you already have. And therefore, when it comes to their own brand deals, be able to create more value in that front. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Twitter users at the moment. They're already um, very disappointed with the way the app has gone. But also now all this new advertising and what people describe as spam that's sort of clogging up the timelines. Again, is this all part of a bigger strategy for Musk to generate income, but in a very sort of brash way that's sort of unavoidable. It, it is to a point, but yeah. I, so what it really screams to me of is he's throwing every dart he can at the wall. Uh, like, because when it comes, there's so many different attempts he's trying to make to make money that doesn't seem feel like a real strategy as such. He's just doing as many things as he can and hoping that one of them will work as a serious long-term moneymaker. Yeah, and in terms of this particular app coming to Europe, is there is there a quick fix to get it over the line or those key privacy issues that many people would say, look, they're there, they're, they're, they're these 
privacy limits and questions being asked for good reason and that they'll be able to overcome them or will we see a different sort of um, an app potentially emerge for the European market and for us to use as distinct from our UK and American friends? Well, in terms of how you and I will use it, we, when it does come out, we probably won't notice a difference uh, ourselves. It'll all be stuff behind the scenes that'll be changed in terms of how data is tracked. I would say realistically, you're talking six to seven months, probably, you know, certainly early next year before we see it come out, because the amount of months is required essentially to put together, it's called a data protection impact assessment, to get that cleared by the DPC and then allowed to roll out. And then, of course, the remet his own marketing plan to roll out in the EU. I think we're looking realistically end of year at the earliest before it'll get here. Like we've already seen in the last month or so, Google hit the same issue. Bard, which is their version of ChatGPT, the DPC said, and with pretty good reason, to be honest, you can't launch that in Europe yet because you haven't hit any of the, you know, barriers we, we ha you have to clear. And some of those barriers aren't that high. Like some of them are, but like even the low barriers Google hadn't cleared with the DPC. And he says, you're going to have to go back and fix it and make sure that it's not scraping data from European Union members. So I think it'll be a while before we see it come out, but I think we will see it come out. And when it does, it will certainly prove very interesting, Claire. Yeah, and will people be interested? Is there appetite there for it at this stage? There's so many different apps and we're seeing, you know, how, how Twitter is going and everything else and whether people will actually be interested in, in engaging this way, uh, courtesy of Meta. It's a curious one because obviously, you know, with Instagram, it's already very popular. And it took a while for stories to take off, took a long time for reels to take off. But once they did, users stuck with them. So I could very much see a lot of early users kind of going, not too pushed about that, but sticking with it over time. Like Facebook has been down this road before as well. Okay, Emmett Ryan, thank you for bringing us up to date on uh, Threads. That is it from us. My thanks to all our panellists tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok, not on Threads just yet, uh, tonight <laughs> via MTV. But from all the late team here, good night. Take care.